This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. You know, I, I really do appreciate it when listeners take the time to shoot me a note about the show and make a suggestion or two. As a matter of fact, I'd like to thank John Coulter for suggesting that I try to include the original broadcast date of the show's aired because in his mind it would give a certain reference point for the entertainment that we're about to enjoy. Well, I can't promise to provide this information for all the shows, but uh, right now let me take you back to November 10th of 1948 when Alan Ladd, through his own Mayfair Company, played the lead role of a writer who seeks adventuresome stories through letters left for him at Box 13. And tonight's show is entitled Double Mothers. Box 13, with the star of Paramount Pictures, Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Box 13. Box 13. Box 13. They stood in the warm rays of the autumn sun while the wind played in the girl's hair. Oh, no, not that. Susie. Hello, Mr. Holliday. Oh, no, not what? I'm referring to the story I'm writing. Better forget the story, Mr. Holliday. I've got mail for you. So? What's new in Box 13? Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Now for... Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Uh, let's see. Where was I? Oh. But Betty forgot her dignity as she fell and bumped her head against the tree which stood nearby. Oh, brother. Mr. Holliday. Uh, what's that, Susie? I said that maybe the mail from Box 13 might give you an idea. Today there were two letters. Two? Yes, mm-hmm. One of them is a big, fat envelope. Now, who in the world would send me a big, fat envelope? The police department. It's a block of tickets for their annual ball. What's the other one? Mmm, this one smells all romantic-like. It has the odor of Christmas night. Or, uh, maybe it's Easter morn. Or maybe it's Tuesday afternoon. Here, let's have it. Hmm. If you will really do anything... What I have to ask is very, very little. Please meet me in North Park at 10 o'clock tonight. 
I'll be waiting at the bench near the entrance to the bridal path. Signed, Anonymous. It couldn't have been very romantic, Mr. Holliday. Oh, why not, Susie? I don't see stars in your eyes. We'll take another look, Susie. Tonight at 10 o'clock. An anonymous note. A rendezvous in the park at night. Well, I must admit it's better than the yarn I was riding. At least it's got a good start. The question is, what's the ending? Well, this is the park, and the clock says ten. There's the bench at the end of the bridal path. And that's all there is. Hey, wait a minute. Is that? No, it couldn't be. A little girl, sound asleep. Nobody else around. What's she doing out here alone this time of night? Little girl. Wake up, little girl. Wake up. I'm sorry. The gentleman came and I was supposed to stay awake. Now, what are you doing here? Waiting. But aren't you cold? No, I'm not cold. I have a nice new coat. See? Yes, it's very pretty. But for whom are you waiting? I'm waiting for the man. What man? He comes out of a box. It has a number. Oh, no. You don't mean box 13? Yes, that's it. How did you know? Because I'm the man. Oh, I'm so glad. You're nice. I like you a lot. Well, thanks. Who told you about the man from box 13? One of my mothers. Mothers? You've got more than one? Of course, I got two. You're a very remarkable little girl. How do you happen to have two mothers? I don't know. It just happened, I guess. What's your name? Me? I mean, uh, what's your other name? I promised I wouldn't tell. Now, whom did you promise? My mother. Oh, your mother. Uh, the first one or the second one? The first one, naturally. Forgive me, I, I'm so stupid tonight. Where do you live, Janie? I said two homes. I couldn't find either one. That's great. Look, Janie, what are you going to do? I'm going with you because I like you. I promised I would. Mm, so that's it. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to take you to the police station. My mother said you wouldn't. Why wouldn't I? My mother said you were a nice man who was smarter than any policeman ever was. Janie. Flattery will get you nowhere. What flattery? That's something you've probably already learned from your mother. Now, do you know where you live? Sure, I live in the house. And do you know where the house is? Well, first you have to walk down this block to Jack Black's drugstore. Well, come on. And then we get to the drugstore, we turn left and walk a block. Oh, that's where you live? No, no. That's the corner where Johnson's toy shop is. Now, Janie. And then we turn right and go two blocks. <sighs> That's home. That's where the ice cream fire is. Now, stop that, Janie, and tell me how to get to your home. Well, you walk half a block up that street. That's home. Oh, that's your home. No, that's David's home. Hmm. So you're not going to tell me where you live, is that it? I think maybe you'd better look at my book first. It's Grimm's fairy tale. Oh, and they're not grim at all. 
and I. You want me to read to you? At 10 o'clock at night? You know, young lady, it's way past your bedtime. No. No, I want you to read the letter that's in my book. Mommy said to tell you about it. Letter? Let me see Uh that. How do you like this? Please take care of my little Janie for me. I shall communicate with you in a little while. Let no one, even the police, take her away. Believe me when I say you're doing nothing illegal. Just helping out. Her mother. Hmm. I like your voice. What's your name? Dan. A sucker if there ever was one. Well, this is not good. A small girl left in your care with no more authority than a letter. Suppose the woman who wrote this letter isn't Janie's real mother. Hmm. Then, Holiday, you're in trouble. But suppose she is the real mother. Why should she leave her child with a perfect stranger? Why? Well, there's only one thing to do. Take her to your apartment. Come on, Janie girl. Let's go. Let's hope that the neighbors won't see you bringing home a little girl. Because that happens to be one item you don't win at a bingo game. Put her down on the couch, Holiday. Hmm, That's it. Never knew a kid could have so much strength in her arms, did you? Uh, Feels kind of good, too. Better get a blanket to put over. Better yet, stupid, put her in your bed. Well, Holiday, it looks like you're sleeping on the couch tonight. I wonder who she is and what this is all about. Hello? Dan Holiday. Yes? The man from Box 13? Yes? How's my little girl? Did you get home all right? How did you get my phone number? That's not important. How do you know who I am? Please, how is my little girl? She's asleep. Uh, she just woke up. Is she all right? She's fine, but... I'm on a fairy tale. Just a minute, honey. How long will it take you to get over here? Oh, I can't come over there now. I'm afraid to. Uh, lady, which mother are you? I don't understand you. She says she's got two. I'm her real mother. Well, then get over here and take her. I can't explain now, but please, Mr. Holiday, keep her just for a few days. A few days? And don't give her up to anyone, not even the police. Now, how do I know this is on the level? You don't. You just have to trust me. I don't like any part of this, except Janie. You'll understand soon, Mr. Holliday. And remember, be very careful. Both Janie and you are in danger. You're all right, our Holiday. How do you like this plot? A mother gives a little girl to a strange man, warning him not to give the child up to anyone. Not even the police. And then she admits there's danger. Janie. Oh, that's all right, baby. Are you hurt? I didn't mean to. I wanted my bed to No, don't cry, honey. That was a nasty old lamp anyway. All it did was throw off a lot of light. Are you my daddy? No, Janie. My daddy went away when I was a baby. Why can't you be my daddy? It's getting late, honey. Aren't you sleeping? Not anymore. Read me a fairy tale, Daddy. 
in the morning, Janie. Now, you'd better get to bed. Have you got a doll? No, I'm sorry. No doll. Teddy bear? No teddy bear. You must be awful lonesome. Maybe you've got something there, little lady. Daddy? Hmm? Tell me a fairy story. All right, honey. Let's see now. Once upon a time, there were three bears. The papa bear, the mama bear, and, and the, the baby ba bear. I know that story. Hmm. Okay, uh, let's see. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Red Riding Hood. And, and the, the wolf ate up her grandmother. I know that one, too. Uh, Janie, maybe you should tell me the stories. Oh, let's see. Once upon a time, there was a boy named Jack who planted a bean seed, and it grew up into a mighty tall vine, and, and he... climbed into the sky and killed a bad giant. I know that one, too. Saved by the bell. Hello, Holiday. Oh, Lieutenant Kling. Holiday, you're in a jam. Lieutenant Kling of the police department doesn't drop in on people unless there's trouble. Watch your step, boy. Well, aren't you going to ask me in? Oh, uh, sure, sure. Come in, Lieutenant. That's better. Uh, anything wrong? Well, that's what I dropped in to find out. When you stay out of the department's hair for more than two weeks, I begin to worry. Hmm. Haven't been doing a thing, Lieutenant. Not a thing. Besides, I want to know if you got those tickets to the ball. Hello. <laughs> well, what's this? A little girl. Oh, thanks, Holiday. Uh... What's your name, young lady? Vicky. Uh, uh, Vicky Preston. Oh, no, it isn't. It isn't? Uh, holiday. Great little kid. Her dandy sense of humor likes to pretend she's somebody yeah. else. Yeah, all children do. Who is he, Daddy? Daddy? Holiday, my boy. See what I mean? Who is he, Daddy? He's a cop. A policeman, honey. Lieutenant Kling. Oh, I like policemen. And I like little girls. Got two of them myself. The writing business slow these days, Holiday? How do you mean? Oh, thought you might be picking up a few bucks babysitting. Oh, oh yes, just helping out a friend. I could use you sometime. My wife and I like to get out every now and then. What's your price to sit with my kids? That depends. Uh, are your children anything like you? No, Holiday. Oh, I'm just asking, just asking. Glad to accommodate any time. Yep, see you around, Holiday. Yeah, I'll see you. Never mind, Jane. It's time you went to sleep. There's something about a kid asleep. Maybe I'm glad this happened. Hmm. Got to use more kids in my stories after this. You know, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have one around all the time. What am I saying? Now what? Lay off, you'll wake the kid. You Dan Holiday? Yeah, that's right. I'd like to come inside and talk with you. If you don't mind, I'd rather talk out in the doorway. Very well, I'll, I'll be direct. You have a little girl here named Janie, about five years old? Why? My name is Sam Parker. That mean anything? No. I've got a letter here authorizing me to take the little girl away. You're her father? Read the letter, then hand over the child. No. Very well, I'll call the police. I wish you would. Can I use the phone down the hall? I'm sorry about this. But get inside then. Keep your hands over your head. 
Put down that gun. What do you think you're pulling? Oh, shut up and get inside. Oh, there she is. Put down that gun, I said. He comes with me, Holiday. Just keep those hands high. And I said you're staying here. Move over to that wall. Stay away from her, I said. One more move and you think so. Harry! Harry, help! Hit him with the gun, Harry, now! I got him. <laughs> You are listening to Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Box 13, starring Alan Ladd as Dan Holliday. Nice going, Holiday. Very nice. You advertise in the newspaper for adventure and you get a little girl. Then you lose her to a man with a gun. You don't even know the mother's name or where she is. Now what? Mr. Holiday, I'm Wanda Parker, Janie's mother. Is she all right? You're the woman who called me on the phone? Yes. My baby, where is she? You're a fine one to be asking that after you leave her alone on the park bench. I was there hiding. I saw you take... Where is she? You shouldn't have let her go in the first place. Mr. Holliday, where is she? She's not here. Not here? What have you done with my daughter? You're her real mother? Of course I am. Where is she? What's happened? A man came in. And you let him take the child? I'm sorry. There was nothing I could do. He had a friend and a gun. They knocked me out. When I came to, Janie was gone. This, this man, did he have black hair and very thick eyebrows? Yes, he said his name was Parker. No, it couldn't be. Holiday, we've got to get her back right away. Before I do anything, you're going to tell me a few things. Then we'll decide. Who's that? I don't know. Right now, I wouldn't even care to guess. Is there a back door? Can I get out without being seen? Yeah, through the kitchen. There's a door leads out into the hall. What are you afraid of? Holiday, open the door. Do you know who that is? Yes, a police officer, Lieutenant Kling. I must be I'll call you later. All right, all right, I'm coming. What took you so long to open the door? Uh, can't a man get some sleep? With your shoes on? My feet are cold. Get inside. All right, Miss Hatton. Are you sure this is the man, Lieutenant? Do you think he could have taken Janie away? I'm not sure of anything, but what you told me, he's just the type that could dream up a little nightmare like this. Lieutenant, mind telling me what this is all about? Oh, I'm Mrs. Hatton, and I'm Janie's mother. I want her right this minute. Janie's mother? You're Janie's mother? Lieutenant Kling, if this man has my little Janie, make him give her up right this minute. Come on, Holiday, where is she? Or who? You know what I want, that little girl you had here half an hour ago. Janie Parker. Me? I had a little girl? Up here? Holiday. Yes, Lieutenant? I came up here to see you. I was worried about you. I didn't know how right I was. And I appreciated your interest. Shut up. When I came up here, there was a little girl around. Now, where is she? Kling, you have my word. I, I don't know. Maybe you can remember down at headquarters. I can't remember something I didn't know in the first place. He doesn't look like the type who would have taken Janie. Oh, thank you. Now, Mrs. Hatton, if you'd tell me what this is all about, maybe I could help you. My little girl disappeared tonight. I was frantic. I called the police. I got the report right after I dropped here to see you, Holiday. From the description, I'd say you had Janie Parker right here. But you're not sure. Maybe you'd like to prove to me where you got the little girl I saw up here, eh? Come on, come on, tell me. Lieutenant, you'd never believe me. 
And where is that little girl now? Can you tell me that? No, I can't. But suppose I produced the girl and you found out it wasn't the same one. Holiday, what are you driving at? I just want a chance to produce the girl. How about it, Kling? I think you're pulling another one of your fast shenanigans. I ought to lock you up. But I'm inclined to give you a chance. What kind of a chance? I'm giving you three hours to find that little girl. Three hours? Then I'll be back, Holiday. So don't try anything funny. Lieutenant, at the moment, I have practically no sense of humor left. At least you're not in jail, Holiday. The good lieutenant walked out with Mrs. Hatton. You're as free as a bird on the wing for three hours. If you were as smart as that bird, you'd wing out of town until this blows over. Mr. Holiday. You. They've gone. You've been listening? Yes, at the kitchen door. Now, look, if you're Janie's mother and Mrs. Hatton is Janie's mother... Mr. Holiday, there's no time to explain. Wait a minute. Then who is Sam Parker? He's not Sam Parker. He's... He's Sam Clark. Oh, I see. Because Janie has two mothers, Sam Parker turns out to be Sam Clark... What are you giving me? I can clear up the whole thing, but we've got to get Janie away from Sam Clark first. Otherwise, I may never see her again. How do you go about finding a man named Sam Clark in a city this size? He doesn't live here, but I heard he drove his car down. That means he's probably staying at Brown's Motel. Uh-huh. I think I'll drop out and pay him a visit. I'll go with you. No, no, I don't think that's wise. I'm going alone. But Mr. Holliday... He carries a gun. You stay here. You'll get her. We'll bring Janie back. I'll try my best. I'll be waiting. After that, I'll spend a quiet weekend with a psychiatrist. This is it. Brown's Motel. Now to find a man named Sam Clark or Sam Parker. Ask the manager. That's logical. So he is here. Well, what do you do now, Holiday? You knock on the door, Sam Clark will stick a gun in your ribs. There'll be a fight, and Janie might get hurt. The telephone. That's how to do it. Remember to thank the man who invented outdoor phone booths. There. There it is. Brown's Motel. This is one time you'd better be right, Holiday. Because if you're wrong, you're dead. And that's so permanent. Brown's Motel. I want to speak to Mr. Clark. I don't know. He, he said he didn't want to be disturbed. It's a matter of life and death. Get into the phone. Uh, who is this? Hurry, man. I've only got a couple of minutes. Okay, I'll see. Now, quick, Holiday. Out of the booth and around the corner towards the back. Wait. Now. Take it easy. Here he comes. Now, Holiday, just step around to the side of the booth where you won't be seen. Hello? 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 What kind of gag is this? No gag at all, Mr. Clark. Oh. That'll take care of him long enough for me to straighten this all out. Daddy, did you bring my fairy tale book? Honey, I want you to tell me the truth. You know what the truth is? Daddy. And tell me quickly, that man who brought you here, is he your real daddy? Oh, no. He's not my real daddy. Besides, I don't like him. Well, come on, Janie. We're getting out of here right now. I hope that's Lieutenant Kling and Mrs. Hatton. So, Holiday, you brought her back. 
Yeah, I, I brought her back. Oh, Janie, my baby. Oh, I thought I'd lost you. I thought I'd never see you again. Mr. Holliday, I saw these people come in. Did you... Jamie. Mommy. Jamie. No, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is this? These are my two mummies. Holiday, would you mind explaining this little two-mother soiree you've cooked up? Lieutenant, I think you'd better listen to what Mrs. Parker has to say. I'd like to listen to anyone who can make sense out of this highly confusing little situation. Anyone but you, Holiday. Thanks. Go on, Mrs. Parker. She's Janie's mother. Well, then who are you, Mrs. Hatton? Playing, let Mrs. Parker explain, will you? Yes, please do, Mrs. Parker. My husband's been dead for some time. I've been working out of town so I could take care of Janie. I placed her in a foundling home for the year I'd be gone. And I'm a foster mother, Lieutenant. The foundling home paid me to take care of Janie. But you two have never met, eh? That's right, Clay. Is it beginning to make sense? No. If neither of these two ladies had the child, who did? A man named Sam Parker who turned out to be... Sam Clark. Holiday, will you cut that out? Sam Clark is my husband's cousin. He's been trying to take Janie away from me legally. That bothers me, Mrs. Parker. Why would he do that? Because there's an inheritance coming to her from her grandparents. He hopes to prove me negligent and get her custody. That way he can control the estate. That's where I came. You see, I took Janie from Mrs. Hatton's house. I wanted to hide her. I read Mr. Holiday's ad. I gave her to him. You gave her a child, a holiday? Oh, lady, you didn't know what you were doing. No, no, just to keep until it was safe, until I could get matters straightened out with the court. Well, now I'm beginning to see the light. Uh, you satisfied, Mrs. Hatton? Of course. I'd never try to keep Janie from her mother. Mm, thank heaven for that. So I guess it's all wound up, eh, Holiday? Oh, no, not yet. There's more. Holiday, if you've got one more ramification up that sleeve of yours... I could hardly get Sam Clark up my sleeve. But I've got a hunch he should be here any minute. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Answer the door, Holiday. I'd suggest a gun in your hand, Lieutenant. A gun? What for? Oh, don't ask silly questions. Come in, Mr. Clark. Get your hands up. We've got something to settle. Meet Lieutenant Kling of the police department. What? Oh! Hey, that's a nice right you've got, Holiday. Uh, pick up this gun. Thanks, Lieutenant. It's a pleasure. Mr. Holliday, how can I ever thank you? Very easily. Just bring little Janie up to see me occasionally. I certainly shall. Oh, by the way, I have a suggestion for you two ladies. I think I know how you can both keep Janie. But how? What do you mean, Mr. Holliday? Suppose you, Mrs. Parker, continue with your work. Janie could stay at Mrs. Hatton, and so could you. Oh, Mrs. Parker, if you only would. I think that's simply wonderful. Mommy. Yes? He fixed it so I can see my two mommies, didn't he? Yes, he did, darling. And would you be my real daddy? Well, now, Janie, you see, it's like this. I... <laughs> Let's see you get out of that holiday. <laughs> and would you tell me a fairy story? Oh, no, you don't catch me on that one. I'll write you one. Mr. Holliday, I think you ought to know that... Oh, what a cute little girl. Who are you, little girl? I'm Jamie, and this is my daddy. Why, Mr. Holliday, you never told me. Now, look, Susie, Janie means I'm her daddy. Well, just sort of imaginary. What's imaginary about being a father? Sit down, Susie. I'll tell you all about it. I'm going to tell you a story. Boy, oh, boy. I'll bet this is going to be good. Mm -hmm. 
Next week, same time, Alan Ladd stars as Dan Holliday in Box 13. Alan Ladd appears through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures and may currently be seen in Wild Harvest. Box 13 is written and directed by Ted Hediger. Original music is composed and conducted by Rudy Schrager. The part of Susie is played by Sylvia Picker. This is a Mayfair production. Stay tuned for Challenge of the Yukon next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Sergeant Preston and a show that was first aired July 3rd of 1947 and entitled The Puppy. Yes, it's Challenge of the Yukon. The Challenge of the Yukon. It's King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the North Country, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King! On Gold. Gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike in the greedy race for riches. Now back to the days of the gold rush when Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog King battled through storm and snow to preserve law and order as they met the challenge of the Yukon. Sergeant Preston, with his dog King at his side, knocked at the door of Jim Crane's cabin on the outskirts of Dawson. The door was opened by young Tommy, Jim's 12-year-old son. Hello, Sergeant Preston. Come in. How are you, King, old fella? How are you, Tommy? Your father here? He'll be, he'll be here any minute now, I think. Uh, he went over to Tim Lacey's to look at some furs. Take your park off and sit down, Sergeant. Thanks, Tom. I came over to have a look at those sled dogs your dad has to sell. They're out in the kennels. Did, did Dad tell you that Vixen had her pups? Yes. They're, uh... About ten days old now, aren't they? Yeah, and the cutest things you ever saw. Uh-huh. I've got one of them right here in this box. Well, will King hurt him if I show him to you? Oh, no, King won't hurt a puppy. Come here, King. Down, boy. Oh, look at him, Sergeant. Isn't he a beauty? Oh, I should say so. Let's have a look at you, young fella. Well, he's a good dog. Nice bones and build. His stomach is all swollen up. I guess he ate too much dinner. <laughs> that reminds me of the last case I was on. Was it that bank robbery? Yes, Tom. I just got back a few days ago. I heard something about it. Gee, Sergeant, what happened? Will you tell me about it? As long as you're going to be waiting for Dad, you'll have time. Why, sure. But you'd uh, better put this little fellow back in his box. I think he's sleepy. Guess I'd better. He always gets sleepy after he eats. There we are, Spot. Go to sleep. Gee, Sergeant, I've been waiting to hear about you getting those robbers. You discovered that the bank had been robbed before anybody, didn't yes, you? Yes, I did. But the robbery was evidently planned about a week before. There were two men who arrived in Dawson about that time with the names of Hank Sims and Tim Johnson. They came into the Gold Nugget Bar quite often, but didn't mix with the other men very much. However, they did manage to meet Jed Wilcox, the old man who sleeps in the back room of the bank. They called him to their table one night. Look over there, Tim. That's the old codger I was telling you about. He don't look very dangerous. <laughs> you sure he's the one who guards the bank? Pretty sure. He's coming this way. This is as good a time as any to find out. Uh, hello, mister. Uh, oh, howdy. Well, I don't remember seeing you in town before. You strangers? Sit down and get acquainted. Uh, 
I won't be able to stay with you long. I gotta go to work. You don't work at night, do you? Yep, I do. I came up to the Yukon to look for gold, same as everybody else, but my luck ran out on me, I guess. Before I hit any pay dirt, I had a bad accident. I slipped on some ice and injured my back. I was in a pretty bad spot, I can tell you. Are you the bank clerk? Oh, no, no. I ain't very good at figures. I just sleep in the back room, watch it at night. That sounds easy enough. Well, it ain't too hard, but it don't pay much. I guess I'm lucky to be working at all, though. Hank and Tim waited almost a week before going ahead with their plan. They bought a good dog team and loaded up with supplies. Then at midnight, one night when it was snowing and cold and the town was quiet, they drove up to the bank. Can you get it open, Tim? Getting locks open is my business. This is nothing. There, it's open. Easy now. You get over and turn that lantern down a little. Someone might see us from the street. I'm going to need a little light to crack that safe. There ain't anybody on the street. We're safe enough. Old Jed is a sound sleeper. Yeah. Oh, you clumsy fool. I couldn't help it. It slipped out of my hand. You woke the old man up. Get over there beside that door. Who's there? Hey, what are you doing? Yeah, that did it. He won't give us any trouble now. Good. I wonder if the old duffer saw me. He didn't get a chance. I got him the minute he stuck his head in. I'll tie him up and gag him. Now you get back and see what you can do about that safe. We better get out of here fast. I was coming home from a patrol north. Got into town early that morning before anybody was up. When I passed the bank, I noticed that the door was open. I stopped the dog team and decided to have a look. Parking! Oh, you huskies! Hey, King, come along, come on. There's nobody here. What is it, King? Jed. Uh, wait a minute. I'll get that gag out of your mouth. There. Are you hurt? Uh, thanks, Sergeant. I'm hurt, but not too bad. Good. I'll untie these ropes. There. Oh, I've been lying on this floor all night. I'm cold and stiff. I'll help you up, Jed. Now, sit over here near the stove. There's not much fire in it, but I'll poke it up. Uh, hey, the bank's been robbed, Sergeant. Tell me about it while I fix this fire. Oh, I got a lump on my head the size of a hen's hay. They hit me with the butt of a gun. Huh? Lucky I got a good thick head. I wouldn't be here to tell you about it. Did you got to look at them at all? Yes, I saw one of them. Huh? It's a man who's been hanging around the Gold Nugget Bar for about a week. He's a big fellow with a scar on his face from his left eye down to his lip. His beard don't cover it. You know his name? Well, I heard the bartender call him Hank one night. Maybe he can tell you something about it. I'll check there later. Now, uh, tell me what happened. Well, I sleep in the back room here, you know. Yes, well, last night I woke up and thought I heard a noise. I keep a lantern burning in here all night. So I got my gun and came to see what was wrong. When I opened the door, I saw this Hank standing in the middle of the room. 
Just then, something hit me from behind. His partner was probably waiting beside the door when you opened it. I never knew what hit me. When I woke up, I was tired and gagged and couldn't move a muscle. No wonder they didn't kill you. This, this Hank fella didn't know what a good look I got of him. Or he probably would have. He, he just happened to be standing where the lantern light showed up that scar on his face. How much did they take? We had over $50,000 worth of gold in this bank. And they took every bit of it, I suppose. Well, we checked, and the thieves had taken everything they could carry. $50,000 worth of gold in dust and nuggets is a heavy load. It had snowed early that morning, but I remembered seeing rather a fresh trail when I came into town. The tracks were deep, and the snow hadn't quite filled them. I hadn't passed a sled or a team on the way, so they may have heard me coming and hidden. I reported the case to headquarters and asked to be assigned to it. Inspector Grayson gave me my instructions. Oh, uh, Sergeant, I'm sending a man with you on this case. It's Corporal Terry. Just been transferred here from Montreal. You've met him, haven't you? I met him this morning, sir. Jim Terry's a good man. This is his first trip north. Knowing the north the way you do, Sergeant, I can't think of a better way for him to learn than going on a case with you. Well, thank you, sir. We have a very accurate description of these men who robbed the bank. You can't miss Hank Sims, as he calls himself, with that scar on his face. The man who's with him... There's two fingers missing on his left hand. His name is Tim Johnson. I'm sure they must have left town by the trail that I came in on, sir. That's very possible, Sergeant. I think you and Corporal Terry had better try that direction. Perhaps you can pick up some information at trading posts or from trappers along the way. At least it's a place to start. Remember, they have a heavy load, Sergeant. You won't be able to travel very fast. I was glad to have young Corporal Terry with me. We seldom travel alone at this time of year because the temperature is liable to drop to 50 or 60 below zero. And it's very dangerous to be alone on the trail when that happens. Corporal Terry's initiation to the ways of the North Country wasn't easy. First day we were out, the temperature fell to 65 below zero. So we holed up in the trapper's cabin for a day or two. But the men we were after didn't dare to stop. They had a heavy load on their sled and didn't want to be seen by anybody. Hank Sims and his partner, Tim Johnson, were mushing along the trail that led along a creek. When the temperature dropped, Tim wasn't used to the north. Hank, we got to stop and build a fire. This cold is eating right into my bones. Yeah, we can't stop. This ain't the time to go soft. They'll have a mountie on our trail by this time, sure. But my foot's numb. Keep moving. If you stop, you'll freeze. Uh-oh, my foot... Hank, wait. Oh, oh, there. Hank, my foot broke through. It's wet. Oh, you fool. I told you to watch out for spots like that on this creek. I get that boot off right away. Yeah. How can there be water when it's so cold? This creek is fed by springs. The snow and ice freezes over the top, but there's a pool of water under it. I told you to watch out. Now get a fire belt. Hank. My hand, my fingers are numb. I can't open these laces. You should have cut them open. Your hand is frozen. Don't you know you can't take off a mitten in this temperature? Oh, why did I bring you with me, you stupid fool? Hey, my foot, there ain't no feeling in it. I, I can't walk. By the time I build a fire and get your foot fixed, we'll lose hours of time. Maybe I could ride on the sled. Maybe we could like it. You got it. too big a load now. If you think we're going to drop off supplies so you can ride, you're crazy. But, Hank, my foot's froze solid. It's 
like a piece of ice. I ain't gonna lose time just because you're a fool. I told you to be careful. Hank, Hank, don't leave me. I, I can't walk. Marsh, Marsh, you huskies. Marsh, Hank, come back. Don't leave me. Hank, Hank. Two days later, Corporal Terry and I were mushing along that same creek. We weren't at all sure that we were on the trail of the thieves, but I was heading for a trading post where I hoped Hank might have stopped. All of a sudden, King barked up ahead of the team. Oh, how are you, huskies? Something wrong, Sergeant? Yes, Corporal. Look there, beside the creek. You mean that white figure? Looks like a snowman. It's a man covered with snow. Come on. Look out, Terry. Go around that place. That's one of those traps I was telling you about. There's a spring under the ice right there. I got to watch where I was going. Yes, King. It's a man, all right. I look. He froze to death setting up. They were fools to try and travel at low temperature, and they didn't know the country too well. Sergeant, do you think he's one of the men we're after? Yes. Now we know we're on the right trail. Look here, Corporal. His left hand, the one without the mitten. Two fingers are missing. But the other one, the other man, uh, Hank, why didn't he take him on the sled or something? Well, you see this foot? Has ice all over it, like an icy boot. Tim probably stepped into a hole, and Hank didn't want to waste any precious time saving him. But to leave him like this, to freeze. And now we know what kind of a man we're after. But he's left a clear trail in the snow. Yeah, but look, it's beginning to snow. Big flakes, too. This trail will be covered in less than an hour. Or at least we know what territory he's in, Sergeant. We covered Tim's body with branches and went on. The temperature was higher, but the snowfall was very heavy, and we lost a lot of time breaking the trail. Complete darkness had fallen, and we were about five miles past the trading post, and I headed for the lights of the Cranson cabin. The Cransons were friends of mine. The Cransons will put us up tonight, Corporal. They're a nice family. You'll like them. A uh, family, you say? You mean a wife, maybe children? Yes, a little girl. Her name's Jane, and she's about ten years old. Why would a man bring a wife and child way out here in the wilderness? Jim makes a good living trapping in winter, and he takes a lot of gold out of the creek in summer. He'll have enough to retire soon and go back to civilization. Oh, uh, they must have heard us coming. There's Jim now. Who is it? It's Preston, Jim. Working. Well, Sergeant... I'm sure glad to see you. This is Corporal Terry, Jim Cranston. Hey, hello, Corporal. Can you put us up for the night? I sure can. Good. Molly has supper ready, too. Come on in. I'll take care of the dog, Sergeant. You go on in. Well, thanks, Corporal. Give them a lot of food. They've had a tough day. I'll take King in with me. Come on, boy. Oh, Molly. It's Sergeant Preston. Hello, Molly. Sergeant, how are you? Sergeant Preston. Oh, goody. Hello, Jane. How's my best girl? Oh, Sergeant, I'm so glad you came. I've got something to show you. Look, over here by the stove. Jane, give the sergeant time to take his park off. Oh, he can do it later, Mommy. Look, I got a new puppy. King won't hurt him, will he? No. Go on back, King. (laughs) Boy, he's a beautiful pup. Do you want to hold him? Come on, Frisky. Oh, he's nice. But, great Scott, look at that stomach. <laughs> he's swollen up like a balloon. <laughs> Jane fed him too much. Oh. Jim and I went to the trading post this afternoon. We got back just a little while ago, and Jane had just finished overfeeding I him. See. I thought he must be very hungry because he ate half of one of my moccasins. So I gave him all he could hold. He sure can hold a lot, too. Well, puffs are little gluttons, Jane. They like to eat. 
But getting all they can hold isn't too good for them. He swells up like that after all his meals. So would you if you ate the way he does. <laughs> well, he'll get skinny again. He always does. I never saw anything get so fat and skinny so fast. <laughs> Put the puppy on the floor, Sergeant, and take your park off. There you go, Frisky. I'll be nice to him, King. Jane, you see that they make friends with each other. I will. Oh, look at Frisky. He's so afraid of King. He's lying on his back and waving his feet in the air. Uh, let me take Come your on. thing, Sergeant. Oh, uh, thanks, Jen. Make yourself comfortable beside the fire. Thanks, I will. Dog's all right for the night. Oh, Molly, this is Corporal Terry, Mrs. Cranston. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Cranston? Jim will take your park, Corporal. Just sit down and get warm. Oh, thanks. I'll have supper ready in no time. Yeah, Jim. Oh, this fire certainly feels good. Are you boys up here for any special reason? We're trailing a bank robber, Jim. He got away with a fortune in gold. You haven't seen anything of a man with a scar on his face and a black beard, have you? Well, a couple of days ago, right after that coal spill we had, I saw a man with a six-dog team. Oh? I was coming home from my trap line. He crossed the trail just as I was coming to it. I yelled at him, thinking he might be someone I knew. But he didn't stop. He just waved and kept right on going. Was he packing a heavy load? He sure was. His dogs were having a rough time breaking the trail. Sounds like our man. Time would be about right, too. He was headed towards the mountains. He may hide out somewhere around here for a while. If I were you, Jim, I'd keep Jane close to the house for a few days. It's lonely around here. I'll do that, Sergeant. By a streak of good fortune, we picked up Hank's trail again the next day. My team was fresh, and we made excellent time over the hard snow crust. That night, we camped out and got an early start the following morning. The mountains loomed close now. It was noon, and we came upon a campsite. Working! Oh, huskies! This looks like the place Hank slept last night, Terry. You think we're that close on his heels? Yes, he's lost time somewhere. Of course, he hasn't given his dogs much rest, and they're pulling a lot of weight. We can go about twice as fast. How do you suppose he figures to get up that mountain trail with a tired team? I think that's where we'll catch him, Corporal. Unless he outsmarts us some way. If he once gets through those mountains, he might be able to make the border. He's not going to get through those mountains. Come on. On Tang! On your huskies! We had no trouble following Hank's trail then. The wind had blown the loose snow away and left a hard-packed crust. But here and there, Hank's sled had made an imprint, and now and then we saw footprints where the snow was protected from the wind. There was very little daylight left when we approached the mountains. The trail led up like a great curved snake, and jagged rocks hung over it. Suddenly, there was a gunshot. I heard the whine of a bullet past my head and a dull plop as it hit the snow. I shouted at the dogs. Halting! Oh, your huskies! Get down, Terry, behind the sled, quick! Say, that was close. Back here, King. Here, fella. Down, boy. Hank must have seen us coming. He's up on that mountain trail to the left, behind those rocks. He's probably been watching for us. There. I saw him that time. He couldn't wait any longer. It's getting dark. Hope he doesn't shoot the dogs. Guess we were closer to him than we thought we were. Wish we had more shelter. Maybe I can get a bead on him. That worked from this side. It's hard to see him in that shadow. Sergeant, look. Up above him. Those rocks. Those shots started an avalanche. No! We're all right. We're not in this path. Gosh, I never saw anything like that in my life. 
Looked as if half the mountain fell on him. I'm afraid that's the end of Hank. He's buried under tons of ice and rock. And I'm afraid that's the end of the bank's gold, too. It's buried with him. Look at a shot start an avalanche like that? Oh, yes. Rocks get loaded with ice and snow, and any slight jar can start them down. And once started, they take everything in their path. It was the most horrible thing I ever saw. Glad we weren't any closer. I think it's safe to go over there now. Come on, Terry. Let's see what we can find. All right, Sergeant. It's hard to believe a shot can do that. Of course, our task was a hopeless one. We couldn't even get near the spot where Hank had last been seen. There were tons of ice and rocks covering the trail, and Hank was buried far beneath them. We camped at the base of the mountain that night and started back the following day. I decided to stop on the way home to tell the Cransons that they no longer had to worry about a criminal in that vicinity. It was about noon, two days later, when we arrived at their cabin. Walking! Hello, Sergeant Preston. Hello, Corporal. We're back sooner than I thought we'd be, Molly. Come on in. Jim and Jane aren't here, but they will be soon. Sit down and take your coats off while I make some hot tea. Thanks. I could sure use some. Did you get the man you were after? Not exactly, but he won't bother anyone anymore. He's dead. Dead? Oh, dear. He got caught in an avalanche right in front of us. It buried him and all the gold he stole. Won't they be able to recover it? I'm afraid not. Well, at least the country's rid of a thief and a murderer. When I think of him leaving that man to freeze... It's worth all the money to be rid of him. The bank won't be too happy about it, I'm afraid. What'd you say Jim was? He's out with Jane looking for Frisky. Pup's been gone for a day and a night, and Jane's almost frantic. Oh, Sergeant Preston. I'm so glad you came back. You and King will find Frisky. I know you will. Tell me about it, Jane. Jane, dear, Sergeant Preston can't waste time hunting for puppies. He's on duty. Oh, but I love Frisky. He's the only thing that's all mine, and... And if I don't find him, I'll just die, that's all. Now, Jane, dear, don't cry. Of course we'll help you find your father. You, you will? Oh, Sergeant, I just knew you would. Really, Sergeant, it's too much to ask you to do this. It will take too much time. Jane, dear, you now, can't... Now, Molly, after all, Jane's a citizen. She lost her puppy, and she has a right to ask the law to help her get it back. What do you say, Corporal Terry? I agree with you. You see, Molly? Oh, thank you. I knew you'd know how I felt, because you love King so much. Now, tell me about Frisky. When did he disappear? Well, it was yesterday morning. He ran away from me. I couldn't go after him, because Mother made me promise not to go away from the house. I'm so afraid he got caught in a trap or something. Daddy's still looking for him. But I thought I heard King barking, so I came back to the house. There's Daddy now. Daddy, did you find him? No, Jane. Hello, Sergeant. Hello, Jim. All right, Terry. That's fine. Did you lose track of the robber you were chasing? No, we got him, but I'd better tell you about it later, Jim. Sergeant Preston, Corporal Terry are going to help us find Frisky. Well, I'm afraid it's hopeless, Jane. I've looked pretty thoroughly. Didn't he leave any tracks? Well, there were some leading away from the cabin where the snow was loose, but they end over here a ways. The snow crust is hard, the wind blew the loose snow away. He was alight, he didn't leave any tracks on the crust. Well, at least you know what direction he took. Well, he was a strong pup. I'm afraid he wandered a long way off. Maybe got caught in a trap. Or oh. Wolf may have got him. Oh, Daddy, no. Sergeant Prince. No, don't worry, Jane. Maybe King can help us find him. Oh, King knows him. They got to be good friends when you stayed here that night. Well, this is too much to ask of you, Sergeant. 
You lose too much time. <laughs> After being on a manhunt, <laughs> this seems rather foolish. Not at all, Jim. Whiskey means more to Jane than that gold does to the bank. I know how I'd feel if King were missing. Well, can we start looking right now? Well, first of all, we have to let King know what we're looking for, dear. Uh, have you anything here that smells like Frisky so that King can get the scent? Oh, dear. I brushed Frisky so much and kept him so clean that he didn't smell at all. Uh, well, that's not what I mean, Jane. You see, dogs can smell things that humans can't. Everything has some sort of scent, and a dog's nose is very keen. He depends on that more than he does his eyes. Oh, Frisky's blanket is in his box. Would that do, Sergeant? Well, that'll be fine, Molly. I'll let King smell that, and we'll find Frisky if he's still alive. I'll get it, Sergeant. I just know King will find Frisky. I've trained King to find things by giving him the scent and telling him to search. We found a lot of people that way by letting him smell a garment they've worn. Well, we took Frisky's blanket with us and followed the tracks he'd left. They went north and ended, as Jim said, where the snow crust was hard and shiny. I let King smell the blanket. From there on, he took over. We crisscrossed back and forth for a time, and then a light wind came up from the north. Suddenly, King sniffed the air, whined, and started off in a straight line. We were almost a mile from the cabin, but little James struggled along with us. King would wait for us and continue straight ahead. All right, King, we're coming. Oh, I think he knows where Frisky is, Sergeant. He seems to be after something, Jane. Jane, uh, aren't you tired? Why don't you wait here for us? I'm not tired, Daddy. Sergeant, King seems to have found something. He's stopping beside that big rock. I see King, but I don't see any sign of Frisky. Maybe he found a rabbit or something. Oh, King knows what he's looking for. Oh, I hope it's Frisky. There's a pile of small rocks piled up against that big one. What is it, fella? He's scratching at those rocks. Looking through that crack between them. Listen... Frisky, is that you? Oh, it is. It's Frisky. Let's move these rocks and get him out of there. Come on, Terry. I'll help it. Let's see how he got in here. Well, this one will do it. Ah, here he is. Oh, oh Frisky. I'm so glad to get you back. Oh, look at him. How fatty is that stomach? After being in there for two days. Wait a minute. Come on, boys. Help me move some more of these rocks. Oh, sure. Well, I'll get this one here. Yeah, that does it. There's something in that hole in the side of the big rock. Well, what is it? There's something. Well, it's like a dried fish ripped open. And there's more food in there, I think. Wait, I'll get it. This must be somebody's cache. What's a cache, Daddy? Well, it's a place where someone hides food to use later. He comes back from a trip along the same route. There's more than food in this one. Look at this, Jim. It's a bag. It's a bag of gold. The bag belongs to the bank in Dawson. Corporal? I think this gold was hidden here by Hank Sims. You mean the man you were chasing? That's right. He hid the gold here along with a lot of supplies. And that gave him a light load to carry, and he planned to lead us off into the mountains where he could ambush us. Then he'd come back, pick up the gold and supplies. Or maybe he thought he'd get over the border and come back after we'd stopped chasing him. You see, uh, he couldn't have made it with a heavy load of gold. And uh, now you can take the gold back to the bank. Yes, thanks to Frisky. But how did Frisky get in there? And why didn't he come out the same way and come home? Well, Jane, I think Frisky went exploring. He must have smelled the food in here with the gold, squeezed through a crack between the rocks. But after he ate all he could, his stomach was too big to get out again, so he probably just lay down and went to sleep. 
But he always gets thin when he hasn't eaten for a while. But when he's thin, dear, he's hungry. So when he woke up, he filled up again and couldn't get out. <laughs> Come on, Corporal. Let's get the rest of the gold out of here. All right, Sergeant. That pup is sure a little glutton. Oh, but I love him. And I love King, too. Finding him. So, Tommy, that's how we got the gold back for the bank. Some of it was your father's, I think. Gee, Sergeant, and that was swell. I hope I can train my pup the way you did King. Oh, it isn't hard if you're patient. We're sure lucky that you thought the pup was just as important to find as gold. What was important, Tommy, a dog is a good friend. And a faithful friend is much more important than gold. Isn't it, King? Challenge of the Yukon, a copyrighted feature, is brought to you each week at this time, and all characters, names, and incidents used are fictitious. Listen again next week to another exciting adventure during the days of the gold rush. L. Prow speaking. This program came to you from Detroit. Eavesdropping can be excused. That is, if it's done by way of the candid microphone, a new and different show that we bring you every Sunday night over most of these ABC stations. This novel experiment in radio uses no actors and no scripts. You hear nothing but the honest reactions of citizens in all walks of life to various everyday questions and situations. As the candid camera catches people off guard and reveals them in unposed photographs, so a candid microphone brings conversations of people to the air in unrehearsed scenes from everyday life. And that's exactly what is done on Candid Microphone. ABC's roving reporter, aided and abetted by a candid microphone catches people as they are in varying circumstances. Mad, glad, sad, working, playing, shopping, or just talking. For entertainment that's fresh and different, join us when Candid Microphone talks out tomorrow night over most of these same ABC stations. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's a new show, The Adventures of Maisie, starring Ann Southern, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.